You've tuned in to the Locum Story Podcast, a place where we interview physicians, PAs, and NPs from all different specialties and backgrounds about their careers, tips for success, and of course, locum tenants. Learn more about locums at locumstory.com. Welcome to another episode of the Locum Story Podcast. I'm Chase Johnson, and today we are joined by a familiar face, the happy MD, Dr. Dyke Drummond. Dr. Drummond is a trained family medicine physician, professional coach, author, and speaker who has been focused on addressing the modern burnout epidemic in physicians since 2011. Dr. Drummond has joined us on the podcast before to talk about physician burnout and how to find your ideal job. So if you haven't already given those a listen, be sure to check them out. But today we're here to talk about how physicians can avoid the three biggest job search mistakes. Dr. Drummond, welcome. Glad to have you back. (laughs) Thanks. Glad to be here again. Just to be really clear, my website's called thehappymd.com. I am not the happy MD. I'm a jolly fellow, but it's a place where our, the website is a place where you can go to get the tools so you can be a happy MD DO that works for nurses, anybody else who touches patients. So the reason that we're talking about this today is that as a physician burnout coach, most of the people who hire me to be their coach hire me because they're burned out. They're not happy. And what we found is the process that we go through to help them focus on their ideal job and move in that direction usually takes about six to nine months if conditions are favorable. And in our experience, about 70%. And when I say our, we have six coaches at the Happy MD, including me. Okay. Um, and so we have seven different physicians who are also certified coaches who handle the the uh, the need for coaching that comes in through our website. So we have a shared experience across hundreds and hundreds of doctors. But 70% of the time, the doctor is able to recover from their burnout and not have to change jobs. Very nice. Okay. 30% of the time, though, it takes a job change to get a job that feels better. Not perfect. There's no perfect. Sure. Better. And um, what I'd just like to do is just say that the reasons that people have to change jobs, there's three big ones. These are not mistakes. These are just reasons why people ultimately have to leave. Number one, the values of the culture of the organization don't match your personal values. When it comes to typically, it's it's a malignantly dollar and volume focused culture in the business. And you want to take good care of your patients. And those never stop butting heads, especially if the organization isn't got a big, strong, positive margin. So that's one. Number two is the way the group makes decisions doesn't allow you to give any input or have any influence. It's my way or the highway and we're going for the bucks. See how these are lining up? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But the most common reason that a person would leave their job is that they're driven out by a bad boss. There's actually even a quote in business circles. People don't quit the company. They quit their boss. boss. And in That's my right. experience, there's a couple different flavors of bad bosses that'll drive you out. There's number one, the absent boss, meaning you're supposed to have a boss, but for whatever reason, somebody quit or the, gr- or the group grew or you were acquired or something like that. And where there's a person who's supposed to have your back and be able to get you what you need for your ideal practice, there's no one there. It's a hole in the organization chart. And that's really common on the physician side of the chart. Mm-hmm. There's always enough mid-level managers and 
and you know directors and non-doctors but sometimes you don't have a boss so there's nobody that's got your back the incompetent boss just a clueless person who's drawn a little bit of a stipend to say that they're the medical director and they can't help you or the psychopath boss the boss that actually tortures you at work so one of the things we try to do fairly early on is identify if the boss is an issue and then test try to make changes in your practice in the direction of your ideal job and see how that boss responds. Are they an ally? Are they obstruction? Are you going to be able to get what you need here? And um, if it turns out that it's not working out the way you wanted it to, and, and you've given up hope that you'll be able to make it work here, what you do is you just put a lid on your practice. I call it terrarium. You go in, you do the work, you do your records, come home, try not to put any more energy into that. Don't volunteer for any committees or anything like that. Just treat it like a J-O-B job and start a job search. So let's talk about the three reasons that the three main mistakes that most physicians make when they're looking for a job. Number one. Before you hop into this, actually, Dr. Drummond, can you uh, tell me how you came up with these mistakes? Was this over observation that you've seen over the uh, many years that you've been coaching and uh, your professional career? What's the ideology and how'd you get to it? Well, it's the same, it's the same ultimate task, the same ultimate endpoint of somebody recovering from burnout without changing jobs. Okay. So I we've see. got we've got somebody who is in survival mode trying to deal with the stresses of a job that's not well aligned with their purpose, but they've never thought about the concept of an ideal practice. In an ideal mm -hmm. world, what would your practice look like? Most doctors have never contemplated that. Sure. Because because of the way we were trained. We were trained to not have expectations because the training process is a survival contest. Nobody cares whether you're having fun on the way through or whether it's aligned with your purpose. You have to do certain things in a certain order to get board certified, right? right. So when I, when I take people who are burned out and they recover inside you, what we're doing is saying, okay, well, what's your ideal job look like? And how do we get there from here? Then the question becomes, if you're working on it for six or seven months, and I say, you know, how are you doing? Uh, are you going to be able to get to where you need to be to stay here? And they say, no, that's when we trigger a job search. But it's still focused on finding your ideal job description. Okay. Now, let me just show you how these mistakes, and, and I reached these mistake conclusions because I actually saw people Actually, the first one, the ideal job description was born from three clients in a row years and years ago who came to me and said, you know, I thought my last job was the worst job on the planet. And I, and I grabbed this one and, oh my God, it's even worse. You got to help me get out of this. And, I, and what ended up happening when I asked them to slow down and describe to me what they were thinking when they jumped from that, what they thought was the worst job to this one that's even worse they were doing one thing, running away. They were running away from what they didn't want. I remember and, you mentioned that on a last, one of our previous episodes. Right. And what ended up happening is if you don't know what you're running towards, if you're not moving towards something that you want, you're just running away from what you don't want. The, you've got basically the odds of a coin toss, whether or not you're going to find something better but you could also find something worse. And I had three clients in a row that did this. And so 
what I'll tell you is, and, and this is a mantra that I did on one of the other podcasts, you can avoid everything you don't want and you still won't get what you want because there's only one way to get what you want and that's figure out what that is and go get it. Yeah. So if you're going to do a job search, if it's your first one, okay, or whether or if it's one where you're going to switch jobs because you can't get what you need here, the first thing you need and do not begin to look for a job until you have it is your ideal job description. So that this would be the first first mistake is we don't our physicians don't are not putting idea. that together. It, you don't have an idea of what you're running towards. You don't know what you're looking for. Got it. And the reason that it's so important <clears throat> is because of the second big mistake <laughs> is that in the absence of an ideal job description, physicians interview for jobs the way they interviewed for the the formative experience of being accepted in their lives, which is being accepted in medical school and being accepted mm -hmm. to your residency. And the dynamics of that experience of interviewing for and being accepted into residency or med school, you have no power. Mm -hmm. You're saying, pick me, pick me. Look, I'm really cute. Uh, look at all the things I've got on my resume. Pick me, pick me. Yeah. It's all about them picking you. Now, now that you're out of training, you hold the power. Never, ever, ever in a job interview do the pick me thing because yeah. it's irrelevant whether they pick you. It's irrelevant. What you're trying to do is ask the questions detailed enough that when you leave the interview, you have an idea of how much overlap there is between this job and your ideal job. We talked about that Venn diagram, right? So imagine a two-circle Venn diagram, and it's a Venn diagram of feeling. You know what your current job feels like, and you can imagine what your ideal job would feel like. How much overlap does it feel like there is between those two circles? And what I find is that most people are feeling pretty bad about their job if they're 40% overlap or less, pretty good if they're 60 or more. So whenever I'm coaching somebody through a job search, I have them build their ideal job description. I have them give up, pick me, pick me, ask enough questions to come back and tell me, I say, how much overlap does it feel like it is between your ideal job and this one? I want to see 70 or more. And the reason you would do the job search is because you can't get to 70 where you are. I've given up. My boss is too bad, or it's just a culture that doesn't work for me. So we trigger the job search. You've still got your ideal job description. You interview to that. So when I come back, I'm going to ask you, what's the overlap? You say 60. Do you need any more information? I also ask people to interview more than once, make follow-up calls, shadow somebody if you have a question, right? Because they aren't going to necessarily reveal to you everything about the job site with a single interview. Sure. And by the way, if you interview this way, you know your ideal job description and you're trying to really poke and prod and, and probe this to see if you can get an idea how good this matches your ideal job description. You're going to come in there. This is what I do. I have people download a list of about 80 questions onto a, a clipboard with a pen and ask all the questions. Wow. I need, to, I need a whole bunch more answers than your classic, let's have a sandwich together and tell me how much money I'm going to make and how many shifts I'm going to do. Right? Sure. Now, that pick me, pick me 
and that ideal job description, you're trying to find the overlap. Mm-hmm. And then remember why doctors leave. Remember, it's a values mismatch. It's a not having any role in the decision-making processes, and it's a bad boss. So the last thing you have to do is add into your question set, how do you guys make decisions around here? Mm. Excellent. Tell me, tell me the last big decision that you made that there was an argument and it failed, mm-hmm. right? What happens if you disagree? right? Tell me about the culture. How would you describe it? Right? Excellent. And then, and then just be quiet and, and see what they come up with. So are, sure. are, do you folks have each other's back? Right? Do you ever see the boss? Right? Yeah. And oh, by the way, who's going to be my boss? Oh, Chuck, how would you describe Chuck's leadership style? There you go. How did Chuck get that job? When was the last person Chuck fired? And why did he do it? Mm. Just, there's just so many questions that you can ask. And, and so what we have to rehearse when I'm coaching somebody through a job change is we have to rehearse what you say, because you're going to interview so much more differently than any other candidate. You have to rehearse what you're going to say when they say, man, you ask a lot of questions. What's that with the checklist? And here's, here's what we rehearse. You ready? It's true. You know, you're right. I do ask a lot of questions. Because what I'm looking for is a job that matches my ideal practice really well. Because you know what I want to do? I want to find a place where I can put some nice deep roots down, make a good home for my family, and be a valued member of the organization for a good long time. Very nice. Yeah. And that's an answer. That just rocks them back in their chair and they say, Well, go ahead, keep asking, right? Let's go. And, yeah. And here's the interesting thing, right? If you know your ideal job description. If you're not doing pick me, if you're really holding them to the fire, if you're asking the questions you need to know the overlap and it's 70 or better, and if you've asked questions about leadership and culture and decision-making, and you've got all green lights, you'll leave with a job offer because I've never had anybody, (laughs) this is like 12 years worth of this, I've never had anybody leave without a job offer. Wow. But we don't sit down and actually even look at them until you got three or four. Sure. Wow. And the other thing that's interesting about interviewing, deciding to go and interview, is that you can feel really beat down, disrespected, and 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 really not good about where you're working. Mm -hmm. And one of the most positive experiences you can have is to prepare yourself adequately for an interview, go and interview someplace else and see just how different other places are and just how badly they want you because right now is an absolutely amazing job market. Yeah. And it's going to get better as time goes by. Anyone going back to that first mistake, have you found people um, put together a unrealistic job description? And if, if they do, how, how do you coach them on something like that? Or is everything kind of on the table there, Dr. Drummond? Everything's on the table because the ideal job description is an aspiration, right? So the ideal job description, when you put it all together, and I don't let people do stupid things. Like I don't want to see patients and I want to be a millionaire. Okay, yeah, great. Sure. You know, I'm not your coach. Here's your money back. See you later. Bye. Right. Know, see, what I, what I count on is that everybody I work with has a spirit level connection to the actions of being a helper and a healer. Excellent. 
So you chose to go to medical school because you wanted to make a difference. You wanted to be a helper and a healer. You wanted to have a career of significance, right? So you have to have that at the heart of your choice to make being a physician a vocation. Yeah, absolutely. And what I can say is that I've never seen anybody have a hundred percent match with their ideal job description. You don't get a hundred percent, but what you do is get as close as you can to it. Yeah. And it is something where if you put, if you imagine a Venn diagram, which is the simplest way to express it graphically, if you imagine a, a formula, if you imagine a number, it's easy to discuss, well, how's the overlap now? 65%, right? Uh, is that enough for you to stay? Say, no, I want 80. Okay, great. Well, let's trigger a job. Put a lid on your practice right now. You don't have to quit. Put yourself at financial risk, but put a lid on it right now. Let's go see if we can find you an 80. And then we set the process of learning how to do this. Now, the other thing that's important to remember about job search is that job search is flanked by two other things that doctors don't know how to do. Number one is, how do you quit? What kind of, of notice um, clause do you have in your contract? Um, what about non-compete clauses, right? How do you tell your partners? When do you tell your partners? How do you tell your staff? When do you tell your staff? How do you tell your patients? When do you tell your patients? Mm -hmm. So we do all sorts of training about how and when, and we rehearse what you would Excellent. say to patients, right? Because it's depending on how close you are with the patients in the community, it could be a real heartbreaker to, to break ties and move on. Sure. And then on the far side, you've got to onboard yourself into a new position. And there's a whole art to art onboarding if you want to do it smoothly, because most medical groups don't onboard doctors well at all, hmm. at all. So when I have somebody switch into job search mode in our practice, I actually have a training that teaches all of these principles. It's called the ideal physician job search formula. We've been uh, coaching people and training people with this particular online video training now, again, for about a decade. And again, nobody's ever not gotten a job, job offer. It's just amazing. Excellent. But from, from putting in your notice, from negotiating, putting in your notice, saying goodbye to your patients, interviewing, contracting, signing the contract, saying goodbye, and then onboarding yourself into a new position. I typically think of that being six to nine months. Makes sense. So to keep people on task through that, we often will wrap the online training in a coaching contract too, that has a dozen calls or something in it, just to make sure that they land nice and soft on the far side. But ultimately what you're doing is this, think about it this, I'll give you an agricultural metaphor. <laughs> I'm a gardener, right? Okay. So as a gardener, we're always looking for fertile soil. That's a match for whatever the plant is we're planting, right? So I would plant a yucca cactus in one place and, you know, a field of sweet corn in another place. I always right. imagine sweet uh, corn seeds, right? So your practice, your urge to help patients is a seed. And what you're looking for is some fertile soil where you can plant it and it can grow big into a full eight foot corn stalk with four ears on it, right? Where you're at right now is a place where you've planted that seed and you've only just realized it was in a parking lot. Mm. There's a crack in the parking lot that gets a little bit of water. And instead of an eight foot stalk, it's got a two incher with no corn on it. Right. We're just going to pick that up and carry it someplace else and do the best we can to make sure the soil is more fertile than where it is right now. Great analogy. 
like yeah, that. I like that a lot. I, I don't want to rehash old content, but going back to the uh, job description, I know on one of our previous podcasts, you mentioned, is it the seven questions that people have to answer that kind of help you uh, sure. put together that ideal job description? Can we briefly run through that really quick? Yeah, you bet. And and just so you know, it's not rehashed. There's this myth of, uh, amongst people who've been traumatized by the education s- system that I can't teach you the same thing twice. Well, it's only <laughs> through repetition that you learn anything. Very right? true. Very so, true. So uh, the questions to ask are, what kind of patients do you want to see? Doing what kind of stuff? For what kind of hours? And what kind of pay? On what kind of team? And what kind of organization? Where in the world? Excellent. And if you're one of those people who has and, and enjoys a hybrid position, so let's say you're half-time medical director leadership and half-time seeing patients, what do you want that ratio to be? And what do you want that the activities that you're doing in the medical director half of your job to be like? Just flesh it all out. What yeah. do you what do you want? Not what do you want to avoid, but what do you want? And let's run towards what we're really looking for. Excellent. Yeah. These are all really good things to think about. I think uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was around uh, comparing early career physicians to late or mid to late year or late career physicians. Do you see a difference in uh, the mistakes that they make or do they over index on one and two versus three or the other way around? Well, typically what happens is if you're coming out of your residency program and this is your first job search, you search like a resident. What you don't understand is that the survival contest is now over. Mm. You mm-hmm. made it. Nobody really cared if you were healthy through that experience, but you got yourself across the finish line and now you're completely free. Unfortunately, residency is still stressful enough that most people survive residency by keeping their head down and being focused on the next action to get through the day, to get to go home, right? To get through the rotation, to get the grade, to graduate. And ideally what you would do is keep your head up and think about when you will be free. After I graduate, ideally what you do is on each rotation in medical school and in residency, you take a few little notes about what you really enjoyed and what you really didn't like at all. And you're keeping these notes on what I like, what I like, what I like. That's going to be the formative elements of your ideal job description. And you want to interview for your first job towards your ideal job description. Whereas most residents will simply interview for how many hours a week do I need to work and how much you're going to pay me and what are my benefits? And that's it. You've already seen, why do people quit? Does it have anything to do with hours or pay? No. Does it have anything to do with the patients? No. What it has to do is the culture, the decision-making and the leadership of the group that you're in. Do you have fertile soil? Or is it just a grind where they're using you like, you know, an interchangeable part? Yeah. You're a yeah. worker bee. Excellent call out. I, I would think that the the younger physicians uh, are, are kind of still in that pick me mode as well. Uh, that second mistake that you make uh, or second mistake that you highlighted rather, I would think that they're, they're so trained in the, you know, I need to get into this program, pick me, pick me. I need to get into this job, pick me, pick me without thinking about the yep. job description. So, well, because excellent. that was the formula, that's the psychodynamic and the formula for getting a job in residency or medical school. Right. And then what ends up happening is everybody burns out 
at some point in time. Burnout is just one of those times where you felt like you you were really dissatisfied with what you were doing for a living and you made a significant change and it got you back on track. And when you look back at it, you say, oh my God, I'm so glad I did that. Well, it's over time that you recognize through the pain of burnout, forcing you onto a path that's more aligned with your purpose, you realize what your ideal job description is. It's just that you can be proactive by following this formula and do it up front without having to go through burnout. Excellent. Excellent call out. Um, that's great stuff. Well, uh, you know, we here at the Locum Story podcast, we have to ask, uh, are there any job search uh, mistakes that are considerations that you want to call out for physicians that are thinking about trying a new locum tenens job uh, and anything different there that a, a physician should be aware of versus a permanent placement position? Well, just think about why you would choose to do locum tenens, right? So okay. some people choose it as a way to sample different practices, because if you're working someplace as a locums, you can get all sorts of intel while you're there. You can't get in an interview. Yeah. So if, you, if you're working in a job description that feels like it's aligned with your ideal job, you can sample different workplaces, different leadership teams, different ways people make decisions and maybe find yourself, discover yourself if you're geographically flexible, discover for yourself a better position. I've also seen people say, look, I just want to go to a place where I can see patients and come home. And they turn locums into a long-term lifestyle. And sure. sometimes it's not necessarily locums. It's more like a permanent part-time arrangement. So, so I've seen, I know one guy that I met one time who lived on Martha's Vineyard, but he afforded to live on Martha's Vineyard by one week a month, being an on-call orthopedic surgeon in a small Wisconsin hospital. And he would nice. fly to his apartment in Wisconsin and he would see patients and make a whole bunch of money and then fly back to Martha's Vineyard. And, and you would probably classify that as a locum, but it's more like a permanent part-time position. Sure. And, um, it's a way to taste. It's also a way to put yourself in a bridge position. So sometimes you get in a place where you say, I, I'm going to leave. I'm done. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to keep working here because I got to pay the bills. Okay. And, and that is a bridge. You may say to yourself, I still haven't found where I want to go next but I can't work here anymore. So you may bridge to a locum's position, acknowledging it's not a permanent place for you. You are searching, but it does give you the ability to practice your craft, make some money, sample some sites, and it becomes a very logical um, next step, a bridge position to a new job for a lot of different people when they're in that limbo state of not knowing where the final destination, their fertile soil is just yet. Yeah, great call out. Well, this, this has been excellent stuff. Let's, why don't we recap the three mistakes and then, uh, we can, we can wrap it up here unless you have anything else you want to chat about. Always know what you want. If you find yourself just running away, if you find yourself in avoidance mode, you're going to get in trouble. Sit down and figure out my ideal job description. What would I run toward? Make sure that you understand you got to ask enough questions to know how much overlap there is in the Venn diagram of how this job might feel and how your ideal job feels. And ideally, I, I coach people to look for a 70% overlap. Now you have to do a few interviews to find that. But once you start doing this process, it'll be really quick you'll be able to disqualify places. They'll still give you a job offer, but just don't let that confuse you. Remember that 
the reason doctors quit is because of a values mismatch with the culture of the organization, the way the organization makes decisions and you have no input and the skill of the leader that's going to be right over the top of you. So make sure you ask questions about those things. We have whole downloadable sheets of, I think it's almost a hundred questions that I ask people to take with them. Right. And it's not pick me, pick me, pick me. It's would I pick these people because of my reasoned analysis of the overlap between this job, as best I can tell right now, and my ideal job, right? And um, those would be the things that I would want you to know about. Let me give you that response, by the way. Man, you ask a lot of questions. You're right. You're right. I, I, really, I really was challenged in my last job. I feel like I wasted some time there. I want to be a really good doctor. And what I'm looking for is a place that's a match for my ideal job description so that I could put down some deep roots and be a valued member of the organization for a long time. I want to find a place where I can raise a family and have a home and be a valued member of the community. And they're going to say, oh, sheesh, what's your next question, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the truth. That's what you're looking for. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? I'm looking for, for a sure. home, a yeah. home and people who got my back, right? Definitely. <laughs> well, these are all excellent uh, tips and tricks. You, you, I know that you're a wealth of knowledge, Dr. Drummond. Um, and I know uh, if you're interested in signing up for Dr. Drummond's online course on how to avoid these three biggest job search mistakes, we're going to include uh, a link to the course in the episode description. Uh, anything else you'd like to plug? I know that that's just one element of what the happymd.com offers. Anything else that you want to plug on here? I would say that if you're, if you're not at least on your satisfaction score with your job zero to 10, if you're not at least a five or a six and going up, and you've been trying some things and it's not working, I would encourage you to interview, 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 interview. I Excellent. think it's really healthy these days for every doctor to be interviewing at least once a quarter, even if your job's going great. Because what's happening now is there's so many mergers and acquisitions that can just pull the rug right out from under you that um, you always want to be interviewing and know what's out there. And, and, and sort of like have your finger on the pulse of the medical market, especially if you have a geographic challenge. It's like, you know, my mother lives next door and she's in a wheelchair and I got a kid as a junior in high school. You got that kind of stuff that's staying you rooted in one place. You want to stay in touch with what the medical hiring market is like locally. So don't be afraid to interview. It's how you figure out what your worth is if you're not getting the respect you deserve where you are right now. A great call out. Well, Dr. Drummond, thank you so much for joining the podcast again. It's, as always, great talking with you. And to learn more about Locum Tenens, visit locumstory.com. Thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Right on. This has been the Locum Story Podcast. To learn more about Locum Tenens and find additional provider stories, visit locumstory.com.